So, are you a massive Game of Thrones fan? Are you a fan of Grey's Anatomy? Are you a fan of the latest bestseller on the New York Times list? The reason I ask this is because do we not become a little bit at risk of all forming the same opinions on things based on the pop culture that we consume. If we are a fan of the Kardashians, do we not sort of take on their opinions of the world through watching them on screen? Bert Olifir, who's a professor and studies a lot of things to do with um, sociology and with human behavior and the consumption of media, which is his latest um, thought piece that he wrote about, about how... Oftentimes, popular culture can influence our thoughts on the world and our opinions. Good morning, Bert. Thanks very much for, for joining us this morning. Good morning, John. Uh, yes, you put, your, you put your finger on it. Absolutely. The way in which popular culture, uh, to use the language of the thinker that I employed in this latest thought leader piece, Bernard Stiegler, uh, how popular culture and especially the kind of um, streamed um, series or movies that make it po- make it possible for people worldwide, for millions of people, to view the same program. Um, you know, at, at the same time, mm, the streaming that sites that we that we spend hours yeah. binging. Absolutely, and as Stiegler says, it homogenizes subjectivity because of the way in which it harnesses people's desire in such a way that, in the end, they don't have individual desires any longer. It's one homogenous desire that turns them into a kind of a a herd-like state, to use a term that Nietzsche used in the 19th century regarding religion. So you're absolutely right. And I'm to answer your question. um, I watched Game of Thrones. Mm. My partner and I watched it avidly. But I watch it because I'm interested in popular culture, to Mm. understand not what happens intra-cinematically, in other words, in a narrative where people incessantly say, oh, who's going to die in the next episode, you know, and will Mm. so-and-so survive? That's not the point. The point of these things is, especially when they're as popular as Game of Thrones, how does it affect people's social and political behavior? And we're not just talking about sitting down and watching the show. We're talking about who we almost identify with as characters and what they stand for and what they believe is, you know, right or wrong. And and once we sort of identify with the character, we'll, we'll go on that journey with them, but it's become this homogenous group. We start to almost sync with what they're feeling and what they're, what they're saying and doing. What did you see when Game of Thrones was on? Because I'm one of the people who never watched Game of Thrones, so I find it interesting from the outside. But as you say, you were watching it to watch the people watching it almost. So what were you seeing with that kind of group of people who were consuming all at once the same show and being completely consumed by it? Well, on the one hand, when I uh, watch, I I watch a lot of cinema because one of my areas of interest, and I write a lot on cinema. Uh, But of course, this kind of uh, show is also part of cinematic art, although it's popular art. Uh, There are other shows I like much better. To give you an example, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the series uh, that the uh, Wachowski, previously Wachowski brothers, now the Wachowski transgender sisters, did called Sense8. Yes, I love that show. Very interesting. I think it's one of the, I think it's the best series 
that I've ever seen, and I've written twice about it mm. already, because it's such a visionary piece of what the world might be like if we really accepted otherness. Mm. I mean, the world will never get there. People mm. are too ideologically interpolated. But to get back to Game of Thrones, I like the character development in Game of Thrones. And the fact that the masses of fans who uh, went into a state of outrage after the last episode of the final season, mm. saying, oh, no, this can't happen to Daenerys Targaryen, you know, mm. Khaleesi. Uh, they must read people, what is it, more than a million people who signed a petition for the rewrite of the final mm. season in order to save what they saw as this person who deserved the Iron Throne. I mean, that's what really interests mm. me, the fact that people... Get so as you as you put it, they identify so much with the character that they overlook the fact that this is fiction. You know, and as I said in the piece on Thought Leader, if only they would become as outraged mm. by the fact that neoliberal capitalism exploits people to the hilt and resist this uh, invidious economic system that's re- regulating and ruling our lives. But no such political resistance on their part. No. It's only for the rewrite of a fictional series. And that's where Stiegler's criticism becomes so valid. Mm. That it's the, it's the construction of a kind of a herd-like behavior by uh, hijacking people's desire. And in the process, what happens? And this is really the, the political point I wanted to make in the piece. Mm. In the process, it short-circuits the uh, potentially emancipatory political identification by making, by steering that identification into an innocuous or harmless direction, mm. that of you know identifying with fictional characters, and as he also says, this is very very dangerous because what it means is that people no longer identify with worthy characters, like for example um, Nelson Mandela. Mm. They identify with one another, who identify with certain fictional characters, and because it really means that their own Capacity to live a creative life is undermined. Creativity here being imposed on them by all these, mm. uh, you know, programs and so on. It means that the potential is there for them to uh, engage in herd-like behavior that is actually potentially far more dangerous than the kind we have seen. And do you not think it is because our lives have become so political and and complicated that we need that escape, that escape to connect with something that that seems almost perfect. That I mean, most of the times a character on TV is flawed, but the flaw is hmm, there in the corner. But there's so much to look up to in that character. Maybe they're brave or maybe they're super smart or a great lawyer or a, an amazing humanitarian or a great madam secretary. And and that, that make-believe part of it is so easy to attach ourselves to because we are so flawed in real life. Oh, you're absolutely right. But, of course, the worst thing that can happen in the identification with certain characters is to identify with a, with a character that is absolutely so idealized that it has absolutely no rapport with uh, social reality any longer. It is far better to identify with a character who comes across as, like in, the, in, in um, Sense8, who comes across as, as real, you know, as part of life, with, as you said, with the kind of human flaws we are all familiar with, including our own, but who strives for something that uh, is worthy or worth striving for and which makes such a person a worthy identification figure. Like in Sense8, for example, I mean, 
all those characters had mm. their flaws. And yet all of them worked for something beyond what the present state of the world is like, a better world, mm. with all their flaws and all. And in, in, admittedly, in Game of Thrones, the characters also had their flaws. My gripe is not with that. I like the character development. My gripe is with the effect of that kind of streamed program on people's subjectivity that actually diffuses their potential uh, capacity to resist new liberal strategies mm. because in a way these programs are an aesthetics they anesthetize people into thinking oh the world is fine whereas the world is not fine yeah i mean who can tell me which who can give me any example of a political leader today in the world with whom with whom we can identify i can't think of one not in our country nor overseas yeah i i identified for some time with uh, uh, macron emmanuel mm. macron mm. of france until I realized that, you know, when the Yellow Vest started rebelling in France, until I realized that they were right, that he's just another person who's promoting neoliberal ideals, and he's got absolutely no receptivity for the middle classes and the poor. Mm. So even he fell by the wayside. And it, I guess it also goes all the way down from a game, uh, from a show like Game of Thrones, a big, huge HBO production, all the way down to your soapies, because those are consumed daily, um, by South Africans and by people from all around the world. And I, I could also say reality TV, where we are being shown a version of reality um, or a storyline that continues on and we get so invested in the characters and their developments that we, that we will rather avoid our own political, as you say, a million people sign a petition, but we won't, you know, get on board to support rape crisis in a, in a in a jam or something like that. There's yeah. this this need, and it goes all the way from big productions, Game of Thrones, big characters, big, you know, storylines to identify with, all the way down to a telenovela um, that speaks to a character here on the Cape Flats in Cape Town, somebody I can yeah, identify yeah, with. Yeah. You know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm ambivalent about Sophie, because on the one hand, I think it's kitsch. It's actually rubbish on, on the one hand. But on the other hand, the, the kind of space conjured up by Sophie offers many viewers a place within which they can find uh, similarities between the kind of life problems that they experience and the life problems faced by the characters in the Sophie. So very often they can find some kind of indication of how to deal with their own problems. So I'm ambivalent about it. I mean, one, I, I will never reject popular art uh, as being only kitsch. You know, popular art yeah. is also art, even though it, is, it, it has this aspect of kitsch. But my take on this would be that um, if as long and unfortunately this is absent, if people generally had some kind of guideline about how to interpret all kinds of popular art, it would be fantastic. I mean, apart from philosophy, I used to teach critical film studies. Mm. And my students used to say to me that after a year in critical film studies, they used to look at all kinds of films, from mm. popular art through to art films with different eyes. But the reason is, I taught them film semiotics. How do you, how do you interpret images? Mm. You know, how do you uh, see, how do you notice, or how can you be taught to see the way in which Previous images are modified by later images along what we call the syntagmatic axis of, of meaning. And how resemblances, what we call the paradigmatic axis of meaning, are those resemblances between different images at different times in the diegesis and the unfolding of the cinematic narrative. 
how they affect each other in, in order to tell the viewer something. Now, if all people had that opportunity, you know, they would probably be able to understand far more what uh, the meaning of what the significance of soapies uh, in their lives are. Just to give you one example of a way to teach people how to understand this, I don't know if you know David Lynch's work. A wonderful filmmaker, kind of an enfant terrible of Hollywood. But he, you probably remember he made a series called Twin Peaks at one stage. Oh, yes, yes. And later on he brought out a full-length movie uh, of, on Twin Peaks called Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. In fact, one of my master's students is working on that at the moment, on David Lynch's uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk, Walk With Me. But when, when the, uh, the, the um, TV series came out, it had the form of a soapy. Mm. But it was only in format that it resembled the soapy because the whole thing was a parody of the soap opera. Mm. And what that means is it, it kind of led people up the way in which Dallas and Dynasty and all those soaps yeah. lead people up to say, oh, heavens, are, they, are these two going to get married? Is she going to have his child? And you know, that kind of thing. And then it would pull the carpet from under people's feet. And they would say, what the hell happened there? Mm. You know, in other words, Lynch disappointed expectations all the time. Mm. In this way, showing the viewers how stupid they are to invest all their expectations in certain characters. That's so interesting because as somebody who goes out to make art, as an artist, whether you're a sculptor or a painter or a musician, um, you want to make money. But to make money, you almost have to become this commercial success. And then you are being consumed by this homogenous group. So it's kind of a catch-22 because you want to go out there and express your artistic view on your life, a view on your take on something, that expression that you need to get out into the world. But if yeah. it's not being seen by this huge group of people and appreciated and being discussed and you're making money, then there's, do you know what I mean? There's this this weird yes, balance that you've that you've take, got to take find. Take Sensei, for example, again, uh, the because it was a, a series that was intellectually challenging. It was beautiful to look at, but it was intellectually challenging. In the end, its ratings went down so much in the years that a new, uh, a new season after the second season, a new season wasn't uh, planned. But then, luckily, people, the, the fans of Sensei, reacted and said, we, please, give us some, some indication of where the story is going. Mm. And then they made a short, uh, it wasn't actually another season. It was it's like a, a movie almost. Special, yeah. Just to tie up all the things. But there's a case of an intellectually challenging uh, series that just didn't appeal to people. And the reason for that is, Let's face it, we can put it this way. People are intelligent beings, but most people are intellectually lazy. They don't want to, be to have to think about mm. something that they watch. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I still think the best compromise that a filmmaker or a series, TV series maker can, can, can make is to give people something to look at, give them what they want, but at the same time insert something into that series that will make them think, at least those who are receptive to it. Like David Lynch did. Mm. Because it was a hugely, I mean, uh, Twin Peaks was hugely popular. But at the same time, it made people think. My master's student is looking at the genre of films called, nowadays, impossible puzzle films. Mm. And people are the following impossible puzzle films have in the world. Films that are so puzzling that you can't find a solution to all the questions that they, that they raise. Mm. And yet they are hugely popular. Now that's the kind of thing that, that I would promote.
That's very interesting. Uh, we always have interesting conversations with Bert Ulfi, who is an extraordinary professor of philosophy for the University of the Free State. And we are talking about the consumption of mass popular shows, these huge shows like Game of Thrones and how they can influence an individual, uh, your thought patterns, your emotional reaction to what you're seeing on the screen, the development of a character, the development of a storyline, all those things and how it's impacted your life. And I know that you're sitting at home probably now thinking, as you mentioned, uh, Twin Peaks or Sense8, I've seen that show. It's, it's, so, it's so complex and beautiful and there's so many cool threads and storylines in it. But what are the shows that have moved you to the point where you've gone, I've been too silly. I, I've once watched a show where the next day I got up for work and I was so depressed from the show's manipulation of my emotions that I went to work the next day in a bad mood. When Oprah finished her wrap-up of her series, I was so depressed because I was invested in Oprah. What are those shows that you've been watching for years and years and years? Or maybe it's recent. You've been watching this show and it's completely engulfed you what are the shows let me know 021-446-0567 let's talk about the series and why they're important to you and the characters even if it's in a book or maybe you're looking at art or music and you're so engrossed what are those pieces of art those the the um the pop culture that you're consuming that you are absolutely engrossed in right now give me a call 0214460567 we can chat on sms 31567 or on whatsapp send me a voice note or a text message to 0725671567